Axis Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Sponsored by Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas Bank here. I'm Dan Mac. On today's show, Democrat debate prep and a real problem with fake news. But first, Zuckerberg versus Warren round two. So it was just a couple of weeks ago here that we were discussing leaked audio from a Facebook employees meeting in which Mark Zuckerberg suggested that an Elizabeth Warren presidency could create a, quote, existential threat to his company, including through possible antitrust investigations. Now the two are at odds again, but this time over Facebook's decision to forego fact-checking when it comes to political ads on its platform. The flashpoint here is a 30-second Trump re-election ad that makes factually false statements about Joe Biden's time as vice president. The Biden campaign asked Facebook to pull it down, citing its general fact-checking requirements on ads, plus its broader effort to fight misinformation that plagued Facebook during the 2016 election. But Facebook, led by Zuckerberg, refused to remove the video, basically saying that political candidates are free to say what they like in paid ads truthful or not. So enter Elizabeth Warren, who posted her own paid ad to Facebook, which begins, quote, breaking news, Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook just endorsed Donald Trump for president, end quote. Now, obviously, that's not true, which really was Warren's point. She quickly acknowledged the deception, saying that her aim was to highlight how Facebook is letting Trump, quote, deliberately lie to the American people. The bottom line is that Facebook has talked a big game over the past two years about protecting elections, including clamping down on voter suppression and foreign interference. But when it comes to domestic ad dollars, it's telling fact checkers to simply cash their checks. And don't be surprised if this comes up tonight during the Democratic presidential primary debate. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Axios media reporter Sarah Fisher. But first, this. This episode is brought to you by Silicon Valley Bank. Know everything about coding, but not so much about banking? For more than 35 years, Silicon Valley Bank has been helping high-growth companies navigate through each stage of the startup journey. Stay tuned to learn more. Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas. Bank here. We're joined now by Axios media reporter Sarah Fisher. Let's just set the stage a little bit here. Facebook does fact check most ads, right? You know, if Coke put up an ad saying that Pepsi murders puppies, that would get pulled, correct? Correct. It's really just politicians' ads that are not fact-checked as much as an advocacy ad or an issue ad. What's the basic Facebook explanation for that? It seemed to have something related to the FCC and broadcast. Well, okay. So Facebook doesn't want to police speech. It doesn't want to be the arbiter of speech. What it wants to say is this. We will allow things to, you know, kind of air on our platform and users can use their discretion whether or not they believe it or not, which is why we don't take things down. When it comes to ads, there are standards for, let's say, a broadcast company for how they have to accept ads. The FCC says that broadcast companies have to accept ads, even if those ads have false claims, because airwaves are owned by all of the people. Facebook is basically saying, look, don't get mad at us. Look at all the broadcast companies that have accepted these ads. And what people are pushing back on that is saying, look, it's a little bit different here. When a broadcast ad airs, it airs for 30 seconds and it airs one directional. So someone just sees the ad and that's it. They can't share it. They can't make it go viral. On Facebook, it's very different. If someone gets an ad on Facebook, they can like it, they can share it, they can quickly send it to hundreds of people. And so that's why people don't think that Facebook can really make the same sort of equivalency here. From your perspective, is that Facebook just kind of throwing something against the wall, kind of a a defense because it maybe sounds good and there's some legal defense in there. But what this is really about is Facebook not wanting political candidates of one party or another or the other party basically calling, you know, bias. What I honestly think 
I think Facebook thinks that allowing political ads on its platform is a part of its free speech ideals. That's why they hold political ads. Why do they feel they would hold a soft drink company or an auto manufacturer to a different standard of being factual than they would a political candidate? Both are free speech, but Facebook said in one case when it comes to corporations, we don't think lying is the same thing. With political candidates, they're okay with it. They have what's called a newsworthy clause with political candidates. Basically, they make this exemption because they think these are high-level people of public interest, and they don't want to filter their speech because they think that even if a candidate were to make or a politician were to make a false claim, it's newsworthy that you know that they're doing so. Wouldn't that be true of celebrity CEOs? I mean, Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, et cetera, high-profile, you know, folks that everybody knows. Should they be, I mean, would Facebook be okay if Elon Musk put out fake claims about Tesla? I think that Facebook draws a line on where taxpayer-funded dollars are going. Obviously, candidates are not taxpayer-funded dollars, but people in publicly held positions, they definitely want to have that position on the newsworthiness clause. I think where it's candidates is where it gets a little bit sticky. No one's taxes are going to pay these people to represent their viewpoints. And so I think that's where Facebook is going to have a tougher time defending this. And to your point, I think a candidate, some Somebody who's advocating for major change can be, you know, likened to that of a big CEO of a corporation who is trying to champion change through a different way. In theory, of course, there'd be matching funds for folks who get the nomination. But I'm just wondering, this isn't just Facebook, right? For example, this Trump ad that we talked about in the open that Elizabeth Warren uh, took issue with, this Trump ad about Joe Biden, that's also airing, for example, on YouTube, owned by Google, right? Yep, it's airing on YouTube, it's airing on Twitter. In fact, a lot of other networks, TV networks, are also airing it. I think it's because a lot of people are following the same logic. We're just looking at Facebook as a microcosm for a much bigger problem, which is that a lot of people do not know how to handle free speech. A lot of companies do not know how to handle it. And, you know, one thing to note, Dan, is a lot of companies just bow out because it's too confusing. A lot of the transit companies, like the New York Metropolitan Transit Authority, the Washington, D.C. Metro Transit Authority, they just opt to not accept political ads because they've had problems in the past where people get offended, etc. And I will tell you, there's a cost to not accepting the ads. It's not even just that they're not picking up the political ad revenue, sure. A lot of times they have to, you know, spend money with lawsuits defending themselves as to why they don't take the ads. Is that why you think Facebook continues to take them? Because you noted in a story recently that it represents less than 5% of Facebook's ad revenue in election years, which is a lot of money because Facebook makes a fortune, but ending them wouldn't be a death knell for Facebook's ad business. No, I don't think this is a money thing. I think Facebook is trying to make a statement here about how it views free speech on its platform. And I think that anyone that's trying to say that this is a cash you know, cow for Facebook doesn't really understand Facebook's MO. Their whole thing is they don't want to be the arbiters of free speech, but they want to give everyone a voice. And when it comes to elected officials, they want to give them a voice regardless of whether or not they're spouting something that's factual or not. I will say, though, Facebook has a line. If you're a politician, you do have to uphold Facebook's community standards. So you can't use hate speech. You can't use profanity or any imagery that's not legal, etc. So you can't swear, but you can lie. <laughs> you can't swear, but you can lie. Exactly right. That's a fascinating community standard. Uh, final thing for you, Sarah. You make a suggestion that Elizabeth Warren and Mark Zuckerberg are kind of mutually convenient political targets for each other. Explain that. Why is this, even though obviously this is technically bad for Facebook, why is this maybe good for both of them? Well, for Elizabeth Warren, Facebook is her new, you know, 
capitalism gone wild target. For a while, it was break up the big banks. Now it's break up big tech. It's any company that's too big is collecting dollars that should be going into the pockets of everyday people. So this is just another target for her. And it's a convenient target because consumer sentiment is changing around the company. Regulatory sentiment is changing around the company all around the world. And so she is aligned with a lot of people by targeting Facebook. She wasn't as aligned with as many people when she targets banks. And Warren is a great target for Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg because they can point to her as yet another example of a regulator who doesn't understand their business and they want to break up their business just because they don't get it. Every time Mark Zuckerberg goes to the Hill, he wins points with consumers and quite frankly, even some advocates because he looks good. He looks like the smart person in the room. He can use this tit for tat as an example of he understands big tech and how it works and she just doesn't. Axios Media reporter Sarah Fisher, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. My final two right after this. Earlier, we highlighted Silicon Valley Bank's experience with helping startups. But with Silicon Valley Bank, you're also getting a partner committed to supporting you as you strive to hit your next milestones. Perhaps that's why 50% of VC-backed tech and life science companies choose Silicon Valley Bank. Visit svb.com forward slash next to learn more. Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas. Bank here. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is tonight's Democratic presidential debate in which 12 candidates will crowd an Ohio stage for CNN. We did some crowdsourcing here at Axios for questions we hope will be asked. And here were some of the results. So first, on the economy, let's talk about America's public pension system, which is underfunded by trillions of dollars. The deficit between what retirees are owed and the money available has already started draining state budgets. Is there anything a president could do to fix this? On tech, what is the appropriate way for the government to use facial recognition software. On healthcare, all of the candidates have criticized drug companies and insurance companies, but they don't talk much about hospitals, which is the single biggest chunk of US healthcare spend. Would they cut that chunk or leave it alone? And finally this morning, fake news. And now to be clear, I'm talking about real fake news. I guess we could call it that, right? Intentionally inaccurate information designed to trick voters, not just news critical of President Trump. And when it comes to the former, there are two new papers out of MIT suggesting that current AI models aren't yet able to identify it. Machines are great at identifying when text is generated by another machine rather than by humans, but not if that text is true. And that's a problem because while you can generate bogus news stories more efficiently via automation, not all news stories created by automation are untrue. So continued reader beware. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Jesse Lee, have a great I Love Lucy day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata podcast.